Hello and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White. I am the host of this podcast and welcome to our little post-Thanksgiving shindig. We're having a bit of a, uh, a kind of a, a Thanksgiving party. Not, I mean party, we're having kind of a leftover party. You know, I, I went to a few Thanksgiving things. I had uh, Thanksgiving with my family. That was a lot of fun and they gave us leftovers and, and then we, we had a, a little a little uh, get together here with some friends and we have some leftovers from that. So I'm sharing leftovers with my uh, with my friends Rory and, and Frank here and uh, they're uh, chowing down and enjoying as, as am I. Let me introduce everybody. Uh, uh, Frank here. Frank Allen. Um, yeah. Hello. Hi. Uh, my name is Frank Allen and uh, I am enjoying some turkey here. It's very tasty. Uh, this gravy is amazing. That's my dad made that. That's, I, I'm very, my dad's family makes some really incredible gravy. So. It's, yeah, it's, oh, it's it's very good and it, it goes really well with these biscuits. I am so happy with this. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you, you like it. I'll pass on the, the good wishes. Did you, uh, what did you do for Thanksgiving, Frank? Well, uh, nothing really. I, I worked. I was at the uh, at the drive-thru for most of Thanksgiving. Uh, but I did get extra pay for, for holiday. Hours. Well, that's good, I guess. Do you not have any family to to go see? Oh no, 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 no. They're they're uh, they're not around anymore. But um, I do uh, I do appreciate the uh, the sharing of this turkey. This turkey is incredibly good. So. Thank you. Oh, well, you're welcome. I, and I thank you for thanking me. Um, and, th- and then again, Mr. Rory Sinjin over here. Mm. Mm. Yes, uh, thank you very much. I, I'm having some chicken. From, now, this is from your, your gathering with your friends, correct? Yes, yes, yes. We had uh, we had a bunch of friends over. Uh, among them, let me think, people that you guys would know. Yeah, yeah, Lynn was here. Lynn was here with her boyfriend. And uh, Daniel Schwartz was here. Angela Tymon was here. People who are regulars on the show. Some of them write episodes of the show. Some of them uh, just act out stuff. But yeah, people that, you know, you would know. Right, yes. Um, you know, that's that's good. And this is some very good chicken. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a shame I couldn't be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't. Oh, uh, no, I mean, yeah, no, it is, uh, it is too bad. But, I mean, we were just, you know, we were just trying to have kind of a small thing. So it was just the five of you then? Well, no, I mean, you know, Devin was here, obviously, and, and, um, that's my wife. And, um, also our friend Andy and Jess were here, so that was, uh, it was like eight of us. Well, that's, you know, that's not that small, really. No, I know, I know, but, but, with, I mean, that's, that's not that small, so we didn't want it to get, you know, bigger than that. Is what I meant. Well, I was working, so I'm sure you you knew that I was working. Right. No, of course. Right. Well, I was not working. I mean, I I I'm sure I did something that was like work, but you know, I didn't have to be. And uh, but I, you know, and also it was kind of a couples thing. And I don't know. I, I don't think you have anybody to bring. I didn't want to rub that in, but. You know, that, that is kind of a concern. Well, I could have found someone, don't you think? Now, I do know a lot of women. Do you? Well, yes, most of my clients are women, don't you know? Well, that, yeah, but you couldn't bring a... I mean, that would be awkward to bring a client. There are women who I know outside of work. Well, no, but that's... Okay, but everybody that was here was kind of in a, a couple, kind of, you know, has been together for a while. It's not just people that they met at a bar and, and brought to the to the dinner. Well, you know, I can have a serious relationship. I don't see why, you know, why why you'd think that I, I couldn't. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> what? No, guys, I mean, we have to continue with the show. We have to move on because this is a big uh, show. It actually is really super jam-packed because we've got some really exciting new things that we're going to get to very, very, very soon. So, um, But I do have one other person to introduce, Scapey. <coughs> well, Sca- I, I'm introducing you, so... I'm eating moist food. He's eating moist food. Um, 
Well, <clears throat> that's my cat's gate, and he, you know, to, to participate in the feast, I gave him some moist food, and I guess he's a little distracted. So normally he would be very thrilled to uh, be on the show. But you know what? It's probably for the best that he's distracted because uh, we uh, we do have such a jam-packed show with so much incredibly interesting new, new stuff eh, that we're going to have to cut uh, the first section that we usually do, which is Extra History Now again. And he usually sings a theme song to it, so it's probably best if he's not paying attention. But like I said, we do have a lot of exciting new things, and I've been hinting at them. We mentioned a little bit last week, uh, we have some exciting new pilot-type stuff going on. Oh, oh yes. Um, that's right. That's right. Um, yes, I did. While I was in Binghamton, I recorded another episode of Car Debate. Uh, that old chestnut. Right. We had, a, well, we had a, an episode of it that was uh, ended a little poorly, uh, but I did. I said, you know what? Let's get everybody back together. Not the same people. But let's get people together. Let's let's get this show to happen for real this time. And uh, I think it turned out really well. I think you'll all be very happy with it. Hopefully, if you guys do like it, maybe we can do more of it again. Uh, that would be nice. No, I mean, but, uh, okay, Frank, we, uh, yes, you did do Car Debate, and that's awesome. And uh, we are going to get to that in, in a little bit. Uh, but that's not what I was actually talking about. I mean, that, that is one of the things I was talking about, because that is a new pilot thing that we have this well, week. Yeah, I mean, what... Or else could you... I believe he's referring to, of course, my pilot material that we have this week as well. What? Yeah, no, Rory did some stuff as well. Um, while you guys were in Binghamton, uh, you you did car debate, and Rory uh, got together with his old assistants and did some some new extra historical segments for us as well. So uh, we're going to try and see how that goes as well. So um, because we have all this new stuff, we, we've cut out extra history now for now. But Rory, please uh, go ahead with uh, with your uh, your pilot here. Um, yes. Uh, this, uh, we do, we did a segment, as you know, on the WHIW Binghamton Airwaves called This Day in History. And, um, now, of course, we did every day of the year. We did 366 days, of course, because of a leap year. So there's already 366 episodes of This Day in History in existence. But what we thought was, well, perhaps there's more we can do, you know? Perhaps, in addition to days, there's other units of time in history that we could, you know, elaborate on. So this one, uh, that we'll be hearing right now is called This Year in History. What, this year in history? Yes. Well, isn't it? I mean, that's a that's a bit stupid. I mean, what, it's only going to be this year once. So once the year's over and you know what historical thing happened in that year, it's too late to play it anymore. Well, that would be true. Yes, but uh, you know, it, we don't necessarily just look at the current year of the year. What? What, are you, what does that even mean? I don't understand. Well, let's listen to it. Let's listen to it. Maybe it'll explain itself. Hello and welcome to This Year in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. In 2009 BC, the construction of the Temple of Mentuhotep III is begun. Let's listen. Oh, oh God, this is heavy. Man, this is the worst job ever. I can't believe I missed a court appointment to get to the workplace on time. Workplace? Workplace? This is a workplace, you say? Yes. Who's in charge? The king? Where's the king? Well, technically the pharaoh. Yeah, yeah. where is he? Where is he? Well, I don't know. In his palace or something. Oh, that that palace over there? He's the guy with the big hat, I think. Yeah, he's easy to recognize on account of the hat. Pharaoh, pharaoh, over here. Do you have a building permit for this uh, temple? (laughs) Building permits? What is this you are asking about? I'll take that as a no. Show up at uh, the uh, Pharaoh's Royal Court. That's your Royal Court. Next week, 4 o'clock p.m. Here you go. My own Royal Court is issuing me this? It seems, Pharaoh, that you have just been served. I'm not going to this appointment. Here is your roast duck, your majesty. My goose is cooked. Yes, and in fact, that was something that happened. And let me give this message directly to Pharaoh Mentohotep Third. Make sure that you keep your court appointments, unlike that schmuck that was working for you, because if you don't, you are right. Your goose will be cooked. 
Thank you. My name's Rory Sinjin, and this is This Year in History on WHRW Binghamton. No, that's that's not fair. That's cheating. 2009 BC is is not the same year. Well, it's, they're both 2009, so I think that was perfectly valid. However, there, there is a bit of a problem with that uh, series, which which I I didn't know if we would necessarily want to continue that series specifically. Why? What's what's the problem? I thought it turned out pretty well. Well, the problem is since we 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 have the years in BC, you know, if that's all we do, then it's just every year we'll go. Well, next year we'll find out what happened in 2010 BC, and the year after that, 2011 BC. You know, it will get a little. St- there's not enough variation. That's a little boring. So I don't know if we would necessarily continue with that. But if people like it, write into us at castandwax at gmail.com and let us know what you think of this pilot. Yes, exactly. As he said, um, Rory is uh, giving away my my idea. But yeah, that was the idea is that listen to the pilots. Tell us what you think. You know, do you want to see any of these continue? Would you like to hear about this year in history every year? Uh, again, I don't know what that would be. Would it just be stepping back a year? Maybe. Well, aren't there other calendars you could look at? No, I, I suppose that's true. You could find out, you know, what's 2010? on the, the Chinese calendar. That's something worth looking into, I suppose. Anyway, yeah, like you said, right into us, castandwax at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of this pilot and all the pilots you'll be hearing later today. But speaking of pilots, let's get to one uh, show that is not a pilot. It's our first of our serials for this episode. Uh, this one is Decker and Hayes, of course, which is uh, a serial about a pair of lesbian detectives. Uh, the pair of detectives are, are facing off with a, a woman named The Widow. We know she's been doing some terrible things to the people of Parlortown as she tries to, you know, take over over the underworld there, but now she wandered her way right into Stella and Macy's office and has Father Bly at gunpoint. Let's take a listen right here. Decker and Hayes, Season 3, Episode 7, Unreasonable Doubt, by Lynn Nelson. Stella Decker and Macy Hayes took a collective deep breath and entered their private office. Good of you to join us, ladies. Behind Macy's desk sat Father Bly. He was Parlor Town's oldest, most observant priest. He had been around since long before the Blades, and watched them join up with Mama's girls. He had taken confession from everyone in Parlor Town, and led Macy and Stella to the mayor's daughter, who had turned out to be none other than Stella's ex-girlfriend, Tasha. But before the girls could get a word out of Tasha, she had set Mama's place ablaze in an attempt to win Stella's heart, post-mortem. Do sit down, Miss Hayes. I have a job for you ladies. The girls' conversation with Father Bly had been cut short, because the girls had wanted to pursue a fleeing Tasha. Just after they left, he had been paid a visit by the elusive Madame, who had been harassing the mayor and the South Tip. She had brought him at gunpoint to the agency. Now this statuesque, red-headed woman of about fifty sat casually on Macy's desk, pistol in hand. Is that popgun supposed to threaten us? It's not for you, Miss Hayes. Heaven forbid I send a bullet the way of a former CIA agent who so recently escaped being sliced to pieces by a flying machete. But while you may be young and vivacious and fit as a fiddle, your good friend here... The widow waved the pistol behind her in Father Bly's direction. Is not. Did she hurt you, Father? Father Bly was sitting as straight as possible and looking as gentle and honorable as ever. She couldn't possibly, Stella. You girls ran off in such a hurry you didn't give the good father a chance to finish his story. There's not much more I can tell them. Why don't you tell them what you can, hmm? Mayor Glass had a a weak moment with a lady from Maison X back in the 70s. That house was run by a woman known as Miss Vera, and it was one of the more respectable places. The lady just went by decadence. 
She wasn't particularly popular among the men, but I guess the mayor took a shine to her. I remember Miss Vera. She and Mama Wang were friends. She and Mama Wang were idiots. Don't you ever talk that way about Mama. Stella went to lunge out of her chair, but Macy caught her and threw her back. Don't make me kill your friend before he's finished. Continue, Father. Decadence could not let anybody know that she'd had a baby by the mayor. That, that would have led to scandal for him, and it might have put her out of business. I don't understand. Being a mother takes most of the fantasy out of hooking. Most Johns won't touch you, and a lot of madams won't employ you. But, Father, Miss Vera was good to her girls. Surely Decadence could have told her. You remember well, Stella. Th that's what she did. To avoid trouble in her own house, Miss Vera turned baby Tasha over to Mama Wang, who, who raised her as her own. A few years later, decadence disappeared, and, and that's truly the extent of my knowledge on the subject. Why would Mama Wang tell Tasha that her mother died in childbirth? What other choice did she have? If Tasha knew her mother was alive, she would have tried to find her. That would have defeated the purpose of giving her away in the first place. The body may be broken, but the mind is still sharp as a tack. What does all this have to do with you, Miss... Widow. Miss Widow? You didn't really expect me to give you my name, did you? I suppose that's asking too much? What does all this have to do with you? The widow reached into a small pocket of her fashionable black blazer and produced a photo. The same photo she had sent to Mayor Glass. You've got to be kidding. We already know this isn't the mayor's daughter. You told us so yourself. Ah, but that's where you're wrong. As Father Bly mentioned, the mayor took a liking to decadence. She called on him quite often, and it got her into more trouble than she could handle. Having one child was bad enough, but two? She couldn't bear to give another away. She married Miss Vera's bouncer, who had eyes for her for years, and they moved to the suburbs so they could raise decadence's child properly. Which is why I need you. I'm sorry? The widow leaned over and handed Stella the photo. I need you to find this woman. But you've already found her. Found and lost. So you weren't after Tasha. Oh, Tasha still interests me. But I know where she is, and I don't think she's going anywhere in the near future. What on earth makes you think we'll help you? You don't have much of a choice. Until I'm satisfied with your work, Father Bly will be staying with me. Don't think for a second that I don't have connections at Cherry Street, on the police force, and in the mayor's office. See how many lives you want in your hands. What are these women to you? Why do you want us to find the other daughter? I have my reasons. This should more than cover your fee and expenses. The steely-eyed redhead slapped a wad of cash down beside her on Macy's desk. We don't want your filthy money. Once again, Miss Decker, you don't have much of a choice. Buy yourself something nice. A new pair of shoes, perhaps? The widow slid off of Macy's desk and beckoned Father Bly. She positioned the butt of her gun against his back and huddled close behind him. They headed for the door. Don't worry about contacting me. Clearly, I can find you. How do you know all of this? The widow turned and flashed an arrogant smile at Stella. Miss Vera's girls always stick together. The widow prodded Father Bly out the door. Macy and Stella listened in shock for a few moments while they heard the door open and close. Under normal circumstances, this is when the detectives would have expressed their disbelief and tried to put these pieces of the case together. But the tension between them had been thick when they walked into the office, and this bizarre interlude proved to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Like family, huh? 
What's that supposed to mean? Come on, Stella. It turns out you hardly knew your beloved Tasha. Lay off, Maisie. Tasha didn't even know about her mother. Besides, who's to say that the widow is telling the truth? Who's to say that's even the widow? That's the widow, and you know it. Don't get conveniently skeptical on me now just because the truth hurts. I could see on your face you believed her. Well, it's no reason to pick on Tasha. Besides, you hardly know your girlfriend. She's not my girlfriend, Stella. She's obsessed with me or something, but there's nothing going on between us other than that. (laughs) Oh, don't flatter yourself, Macy. You were obsessed with me at one point. I don't get obsessed with anything. What do you call Tasha? Someone who never cheated on me. I was brainwashed. It's a pretty weak excuse for a well-trained agent. I can't believe we're going through this again. Do you deny that Landsberg had my mind in his clutches? No, I just noticed that Lexi had something else in her clutches as well. These are pretty risky accusations, Stella. I had no idea what I was doing, and you were running around seeking revenge for your precious ex while I was being brutally tortured, and you were conscious. You weren't communicating with me. You were lying to me. Had you told me you were out of prison and working for Landsberg, I would have come to your defense. Would you? Would you, Stella? Or would Tasha have been more important to you? That's ridiculous, Macy. There are two different things. You are two different people. You've been saying that long enough. I want to know who is more important to you, Stella, me or Tasha. Do you want me, the woman who has loved you and cared for you and helped you through thick and thin, or do you want the woman who you don't really love, who is holed up in the psych ward of the hospital because she torched your beloved mama's house and tried to kill herself to prove her love? I never asked you to take care of me. You're not answering the question. I don't need to be taken care of. Answer the question! Just because I'm crippled doesn't mean I can't take care of myself! Yes, it does, Stella. That's exactly what being a cripple means. It means you can't get around by yourself, you can't run after people, and you can't make love. Just stop denying it, Stella. You are a cripple. Before Macy realized what was happening, Stella launched a powerful blow with her right fist. Sitting as she was, this planted it right into Macy's gut. Macy let out a low grunt as the air was pushed out of her. She'd barely gotten to catch her breath when their office door opened. Excuse me, Miss Decker. Miss Hayes. Jane, the girl's secretary, got no response from either of them. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? Still not a word, as Macy leaned against her desk, trying to catch her breath and comprehend what had just happened. Stella sat in her wheelchair, eyes on Macy, silent. Well, Miss Hayes, there's a call for you. It's that nurse again. Says she can't find your number again. All right, well, she's holding for you. Jane turned to leave the office, but caught herself and returned. This time, coming into the center of the room, facing somewhere in between the two girls. You know, Miss Hayes... It's pretty unfair for you to continue to receive these kinds of calls at the office when you've asked me to withhold Miss Decker's personal calls. Stella took her eyes off Macy and looked at Jane for a moment. Then she wheeled out of the office and the two remaining women heard the outer door open and close. Macy was breathing now, though shallowly, and she steadied her gaze on Jane, who had an annoying grin on her face. What exactly are you doing? What I think is best. Let's rewind. I'm going to ask you the question again, and you're going to give me a straight answer. What exactly are you doing? I'm looking out for my employer. You're doing a pretty shoddy job. I don't understand. I never asked you to withhold phone messages from Stella. I would never do that. That's not how I see it. You're on dangerous ground, Jane. What are you going to do, fire me? Keep talking like that, and yes. You can't fire me. Of course I can. Stella Decker employs me. For Decker and Hayes, I'm Hayes. Seeing as they don't let cons keep licenses to investigate, I don't think you're qualified to fire me. Just what are you trying to accomplish, Jane? Oh, mission accomplished. 
Now Stella can stop wasting her time on you and appreciate me. Speaking of wasting time, I sure can't do my job from in here, can I? I'll be at my desk if you need me. Jane flounced out of Macy's office door, and Macy collapsed into her chair, lost in thought. She sat for a minute, and decided she may as well deal with Courtney before going home and losing her mind completely. She picked up the phone, but no one was there. None of the buttons on her phone were flashing, so she didn't know which line to pick up. She sighed and reluctantly pressed the buzzer on her intercom. Jane, what line is Courtney on? She's not on any line, Miss Hayes. What will become of the girls now that this wrench has been thrown into the works? What does the widow want with the mayor's daughters? Tune in next week for Out of Mind. In that episode of Decker and Hayes, the narrator was Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tymon, Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson, Jane Vance was Ava Rosenblatt, Father Bly was Charles Berman, and the widow was Sarah Doan. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Cod Mikowski. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much. And we've finished up our our, uh, our birds here. We've eaten all the, the turkey and the, the chicken here. So uh, hopefully uh, uh, we'll have a little bit less uh, munching. Escape's done with his food as well. Yes, I know. It's time for my accessory now song, I think. No, we skipped that part of the show. There was a whole thing. Dad, you don't get to skip my part of the show. Well, Escape, but no, but we, we didn't do extra history now, so... No, but I still should get to say that. That doesn't make any sense, Escape. Well, you don't make any sense either. Well, I think I do. Escape, uh, no, I'm not arguing with you about this. We're not doing Extra History Now, so we're not going to do a theme song for Extra History Now. Don't be silly. You can sing a song at the end of the show, as always, but for now, we're just going to continue on. Uh, cheating. Not cheating. Okay. Rory, uh, speaking of sections of the show and Extra History Now, which we're not doing, Scapey. I know. You saw that. Uh, it's time for your normal section, of course, which is This Day in History. And where are they now in history? Absolutely. Let's get right to it. Thank you for listening to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On November 30th, 1886, once a hall for operettas, pantomime political meetings, and vaudeville, the Folies Bergère in Paris introduces an elaborate review featuring women in sensational costumes. The highly popular Place aux Jeunes established the Folies as the premier night spot in Paris. Sacre bleu, my head is itchy. And why am I talking in this outrageous accent? Because we are in France, where outrageous accents are required. Otherwise, you are exiled. Oh, oui, oui. Mais oui, outrageous accents and extravagant costumes. Indeed. Speaking of which, that is a very extravagant costume. Well, thank you. Would you like to wear the hat? Certainly. Here, let me put it on this itchy uh, man's head first. Yes, yes. And who would like to borrow my comb? Hmm, that sounds like an excellent idea. Give it here. I recommend that you rub it all over your body. Hmm, my body is exceptionally hairy. Hmm. Whoa, little do they know that I, Jean-Pierre, am going to give all of them head lice. <laughs> and in fact, Jean-Pierre was a double agent working for the lice army, which did invade all of France. Uh, you should always keep in mind to check your children for head lice and not share hats and combs with people who probably have it, like Jean-Pierre. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But let's scratch that itch. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And it was shortly thereafter that France became a completely lice-run state. France went back to days of human slave trade, yes, because of course the lice required human hosts in order to live and function. Therefore, all 
all humans in France were enslaved by the lice that lived on their heads and bodies. So the other nations of the world banded together and decided that they would detonate a nuclear bomb in the middle of Paris, deciding, and I think rightly so, that they need not have remorse for killing lice and that a life enslaved by your lice rulers was no life at all. The chief architect of this plan was in the Allied base by himself at night when he came across a hat. He thought, well, that's quite a fine hat, but it's, it's actually quite handsome looking and I think it would look quite handsome on me as well. So he took that hat and put it upon his head. This was his fatal move as the lice were infecting that hat. They then infected him and from him, of course, it was a simple matter to getting into the hat rack of the Allied Command Center and eventually weasel their way into every government of the world. That's why you should always be careful who you share hats with. You don't want to get lice. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Okay, so the lice took over France. Lice controlled the country of France. And then they used a nuclear weapon to kill lice. You know, there are way we have ways on this world of killing lice that don't involve nuclear weaponry. Yes, but that's not this world, is it? You said it specifically. We have ways on this world. Not on that world. Yeah, but you can still kill lice with medicated shampoo, I'm pretty sure, even in another world. Yeah, but what if they haven't discovered that? But they have discovered nuclear weapons? Th these things do happen, you know. I don't think these things happen. They happen in another world world, Frank. Another world. Do you understand other worlds? No, apparently you don't because we've been having this conversation for quite some time now. They happened in another world. Speaking of which, we should move along to my next pilot, which I should tell you how it came about. We did this day in history, as you know, and we thought, well, there's plenty of other units of time inside of a day that we could cover, which is how we came up with this next show, This Hour in History. Hello, my name is Rory Sinjin, and welcome to This Hour in History on WHRW Binghamton. At this hour, 4 p.m. in 1947, the Alberta oil rush begins in Alberta, Canada. Let's listen. All right, liners, take your mark. Welcome to the third annual Great Alberta Oil Rush. What's that guy saying, Bill? I have no idea. Let's go Christ as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think Get we can find all this oil by go. 402. Definitely. Let's use this bomb. Okay. All right, you stand on top of the bomb. I'll stand next to it. This is the best plan ever. Let's go. Oil away. Boom! Oh no, all of my oils! The oils oh. turned into toxic waste as a result of this bomb. The vital fluid. Oshnevkist, Ufjua. Yes, we will take all this Canadian oil and we will be able to crush you. I will take off my shoe and bang it. Excellent. Bang your shoe very slowly and we'll have all this oil out eventually. Canada is saved. Good thing they didn't rush to get all the oil out. Yes, and in fact, a bunch of people blew up a bomb turned all the oil into toxic waste, then the Russians showed up with their careful, methodical shoe pump technique of getting oil out. Unfortunately, it had all been turned into toxic waste, the Russians all died, and then the Cold War was won by the Americans, which is a terrible thing. That is why you should not rush into things, and you should take your time and be methodical, as the Russians did, even though it didn't work out for them in this case, it does work out for you in other cases. For example, in another reality, the US won the Cold War by just waiting out the Russians with money and stuff like that. So, you should take your time. This is Rory Sinjin with This Hour in History on WHRW, Binghamton. That was one of the worst pieces of crap you've ever done. You've done a lot of pieces of crap in this time that we've known each other. That was terrible. Uh, so why was there toxic waste? Well, there just was. You know, sometimes worlds don't go the way you want them to. Well, then why not have it be about a world where the toxic wasting didn't happen? Why not have them blow up the bomb? You know, they all die, and then the Russians come in, and they pump the shoes, and then they they succeed because they were methodical, because they took their time. That would have supported your point. The, the idea of the, the, the toxic waste just muddies everything up. Well, it, all right, well, you've got a good point there, actually. You know, perhaps I should have done it without the toxic waste. That might have been a, a more 
sensible world. But, you know, sometimes the world that you find is not the ideal world. Yeah, but you're making the worlds up. The whole point of this extra history bull is that any world you say is, is, is real. Well, I'm glad you're finally admitting it. But yes, that's true. But sometimes the worlds you make up are not the ones that you wanted to have made up. But you're controlling what you're... That's the... You're Frank, just... Frank, 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 Frank. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to get through. Now, that's another pilot. That's this hour in history. Yes, this hour in history. Write into us at castingwax at gmail.com. And of course, this next one was inspired... I'm sure you can tell by the exact same thoughts. It's a, it was called This Minute in History. What, you're doing another? Yes, here it is right here. Hello there, and welcome to This Minute in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. In this minute, 4.06 p.m. yesterday, I had the most amazing sandwich. It was so good. Let's listen. Hello, I'm Rory Sinjin. In another reality, I had a roast beef sandwich, but in this reality, I'm going to have a mystery sandwich. I can't wait to discover what's inside this wrapper. Hmm, let me start to take it off. In another reality, I don't start to take it off, but in this reality, I do hey, start- Hey pal, you gotta pay for that sandwich first! I don't like to pay. In this reality, nobody pays. I mean, in another reality, nobody pays. And that's a better reality, so- Alright pal, you're gonna pay one way or the other. Let me tell you how Harry Potter 4 ended. Dumbledore dies! No! But in another reality, Dumbledore stays alive. Let's see what's inside my sandwich. It's turkey! Oh. But in another reality, it's mozzarella. This would have been better if I hadn't known it was turkey. Looks like the crying game. And you're a man! Fortunately, that was another reality where I didn't enjoy my sandwich, but in this reality, I did enjoy my sandwich, because as I said, it was amazing. And I recommend that you, too, have a sandwich. My name's Rory Sinjin, and this is This Minute in History on WHRW Binghamton. That one didn't even have a moral. Have a sandwich is a, a perfectly valid moral. But that wasn't what it was. A, that it it was a, clearly it was about people spoiling things. So it was about not giving out spoilers because it ruins people's enjoyment. Well, then obviously I didn't need to spell out the moral because you got it anyway. Thank you very much for proving my point. That was this minute in history. Now, of course, that one we would need to do quite a few of them. You know, some one thousand four hundred and thirty-nine more. You know, which is a little difficult, especially considering that realistically speaking, most history books don't give the minute for things. Well, yeah, that wasn't, you didn't do an actual history event. You did you having a sandwich. Well, it did happen in history. So that is an event that occurred in historical memory. It's not going down in history. It's not really in historical memory. Jordan, I mean, what, do, do uh, that's clearly nonsense, right? I, I thought I would stay out of this. You guys are doing a great job of discussing it on your own, so. Well, look, that's, that's stupid. You should write into us at castandwax at gmail.com to say not to do that one because that one was terrible. Well, I thought you said the other one was the biggest piece of crap. Well, the other one is a bigger piece of crap, but this one is, is it, it wasn't historical. Plus, I don't want to sit through 1,400 and whatever. 39 more. 1,439 more. That's 1,440 minutes in a day, so, you know. No, there's a terrible idea. I, please, please, write into us and say not to do that one. That's way too many to have to do. That's way too many. Well, if you thought that was too much, you're not going to like this one at all. Hello, my name is Roy Sinjin, and this is This Second in History on WHRW Binghamton. In this second, 4.08pm and 29 seconds, I said the word this earlier in this sentence. Which is why you should always remember to be as succinct as possible. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is This Second in History on WHRW Binghamton. There was no event that... that's the... Oh, you are making... You're, why, why are you wasting our time with these terrible pilots? That's not for you to decide. Castinwax at gmail.com. Please, everyone, write in to us. Well, I could write in if you're not going to validate my opinion. 
opinion here, I can write in and say how terrible they are. Well, that's not fair, is it? It's really for the listeners. Listeners, please, like I said, write into us, castandwax at gmail.com. Did you, did you like uh, this second in history? Did you like this minute in history? Please, let us know all of them. Yes, please do let us know all of them, but especially mine, which is coming up now. Right, Jordan? Can we please finally get to mine? He's not going to go to millisecond, is he? I mean, the, he's done. He's down to the, the tiniest sensible unit of time. So are we done? Frank, Frank, calm down. Calm down. Yes, we're, we're getting to yours now. It is time for your pilot, uh, uh, your car debate pilot. Okay, thank you. Here, here you go, guys. Hopefully you will enjoy this. This is car debate. Hello, and welcome to Car Debate. My name is Frank Allen, and this is a very special show where we are going to debate the hot-button issues of today from the comfort of this automobile. Now, uh, some of you might have heard the first installment of Car Debate, in which uh, there was some unfortunate ending, but I did work that out by getting someone to drive for me, so that I won't be distracted by driving. Uh, instead, I did get a friend of mine here. To- this is uh, Harry Wilson, the toot janitor. Now, this week, I'm the toot uh, chauffeur here on uh, Harry Wilson Drives You. Uh, no, 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 no. Car, car debate. Car debate. Uh, I got everything tricked out for everybody. I got toothbrushes in front of every seat. Uh, I got uh, water supply for everybody. Brush your teeth during the debate. It should go well. Uh, everything's ready. Uh, well, excellent. Thank you. So, so thank you for letting us use your car and your ability to drive. Absolutely. I I, I learned to drive uh, just so I could get and buy more toothpaste, and uh, I think it's a useful skill. So otherwise, where are you going to get your toothpaste? All right. Well, let's get, let's get out on the road, shall we? And begin All right. the car debate. Now we do have. Uh, I'm, I'm as you probably can assume from the audio. I am sitting in the passenger seat, and in the back seat behind me here, I turn a little bit so I can see them. Uh, we do have two expert debaters who are uh, raring to solve this issue once and for all. Debater number one, please. Yes, <clears throat> thank you, Hayden Planet Smasher. Hayden Planet Smasher, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, uh, I travel throughout the universe, smashing planets, crushing people beneath my iron will, and uh, general being a bad guy, except on. Saturdays where I drive my mother to the opera. Oh, I'm sorry, when you say smashing planets, you mean physically or, or metaphorically? Well, sometimes I get out of my ship and I beat it with my fists, but it's not very effective. I actually built a giant death machine which will smash the planets. Oh, okay. So you, so physically? Yes, generally. Okay. All right. Well, debater number two, I think, uh, will be next. Well, frankly, this is sort of a pleasant coincidence. I'm Iron Will Jarnak, famed robot chef. Well, I, what's the coincidence there? Well, he has an Iron Will, and Iron Will is my nickname. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. So named for the fairest content of my many delicate cuisines. How do you cook for robot tooth hygiene? Robots, what what are they going to eat that's going to protect robot teeth? No, I'm I'm, I'm assuming he means he's a robot. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, you're not. I'm sorry. You're not a robot. Though I can under... Oh, the costume. Right. I'm sorry. Um, I cook for robots. You see, on my cooking show, Iron Will cooks for robots. So do robots even have teeth? Well, yes. How else are they going to perform the process of mechanical digestion? I ask you. What would be the point in having robots if they didn't have teeth? Precisely. Why would you build something without teeth? What's it going to do? How's it going to brush its teeth without teeth? Well, no, teeth don't exist for the purpose of brushing. But that's not the debate that we're doing today. Uh, The debate we're doing today, as I'm sure everybody knows, is a very hot-button issue, which is, of course, the idea of universal health care. So, as I'm sure everybody knows, uh, Iron Will is in favor of universal health care. Precisely. And, um, I'm sorry, what was your name, sir? Hayden Planet Smasher. Hayden Planet, Mr. Planet Smasher. I'll send out my robots. I have robots, too. What? No, it's not necessary right now. It's a debate. Debate. No, No smashing yet? No, 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 please. Uh, After uh, the mental, this could be the metaphor.
fork smashing I was referring to. So now you're because uh-huh. you're against See. universal health care, as of we all course. know. Explain why. Well, when I go to planets and I smash them, many of the people go, ouch, no, please, stop, don't hurt me, no, I don't want it, no. And let's say there were universal health care. If I smashed someone's kneecap with my giant smashy fists, they would go, I need health care now, ooh, and I'd wind up paying for the damage, but I don't want my comeuppance, I don't want to pay for what I've done, I want to get away with it, that's why I'm Hayden Planet Smasher. And so, if I had to pay for all the damage I did and have to be a responsible citizen, it'd be like driving my grandmother to the opera every Saturday. I, I'm a little confused. Every you day. are yourself because you want to get away with it? You said, I want to get away with it. That's why I'm Hayden Planet Smasher. I get away with it. Therefore, I want to be myself who gets away with it. QED. I guess that's logic. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Will. Um, Jarnak. My last name is Jarnak. I'm sorry. Jarnak. Mr. Jarnak. Well, as much as I love acting without fear of consequence, and I do, I'm often forced to favor universal health care really for the robot's sake. Uh, robots have health? Naturally. How what? else would they care for it? I didn't know robots had anything naturally. I thought it was entirely synthetically. That's what makes them robots. <sighs> this is a common misconception that people make about robots. Much like the idea that they can't eat or that they don't have teeth. And it was to answer these... Who could green... imagine something without teeth? Well, uh, how about a rock? I can imagine a rock with teeth. No, but can you imagine... <sighs> this car doesn't have teeth. Look, th- just can you... About... I've got teeth and I'm in the car. You're the in... gears have teeth. I couldn't take care of this car unless I took care of its gear teeth. It wouldn't go otherwise. Okay. I thought that these cars smelled especially minty. Please, uh, you were saying something about healthcare. Yes. Misconceptions. Yes, indeed. Go on. The reality is that I was drawn to my calling by the rising threat of obesity among robots. What? They were simply getting too fat. How do robots have fat? Too much sugary food. No, I know where... Precisely. I know where fat comes from, Harry. I know where fat comes from. I'm talking about... Well, then how can you not imagine where fat comes from for robots? Because robots don't have fat. They have metal, period. Sometimes plastics. And sometimes they weigh too much. But that's just more and more robots. Now I am talking. More and more robots have become overweight and obese. Indeed, some of them risk morbid obesity. And in order to reduce that probability, I have been for years going on to Iron Will Cooks for Robots to suggest a healthier alternative lifestyle for the robots. Incidentally, brushing your teeth is good ex- Excuse me. Incidentally, brushing your teeth is exquisite exercise. No, what, are you, what are you doing? You can't brush your teeth while you're driving. The whole re- I have you driving so that I'm not distracted while I'm driving. Or debating. Or... Sometimes the drive goes a long time. How am I going to maintain my cleanliness of toot okay. while getting there? Use, use, use rinse. Use, use, just be swishing the whole time. You've got a sink in this? No. I, this is a pretty big car. You could spit out the window. Look, speaking of the window, actually. Uh, Harry, can you? there's a person there. Pull over. Let's, oh, let's right, see what they're right, saying. Uh, here we go. Sir, can I can I talk to you soon? Well, uh, yeah, I suppose. All right, uh, we, we're, we're doing a debate show. Uh, we're talking about the problem of uh, whether or not we should have universal health care. Uh, now, the debate as it stands, let me explain quickly, uh, try to be as fast as I can, is that uh, this gentleman believes that we should have universal health care beca- right. because Hi. Uh, too many robots are morbidly obese and that needs to be taken care of. This gentleman believes we shouldn't because he wants to hurt people and not let them be helped, I guess. I don't want to pay. And he doesn't want to pay. It's a financial thing. What are your thoughts? Well, I uh, I suppose universal health care is, is good, uh, but, you know, hurting people is uh, is bad. I, right, I'm, right. That leaves me a little... 
horn in my decision making. You you said something about uh, robots, right? Right, robots. Yeah, they have the, the well. They would be presumably covered by universal health care as well. I I, uh, I guess I would think they'd have a warranty, but well, uh, I don't know much about uh, robots, but hmm, I well, suppose I'd be on the side of well, you know, anyone who wants health care and um, less hurt people. Well, that uh, that's, that's everybody's okay. side. That's ever nobody wants hurt people. Look, that's universal why I'm on that side. Do you want universal health care or not? That sounds good. Sure. Uh, well, how do you argue with that, Mr. Planet Smasher? That it sounds good? Yeah. Well, it doesn't. How would you like to pay for an entire planet's worth of health care? How can you afford to pay for an entire planet? Perhaps nine planets. Perhaps I've had a busy week and I've smashed nine planets this week. I can't possibly afford to pay for everyone's health care. They've all got broken bones. They're injured. They've got internal bleeding. No one can afford that much money. Therefore, only the rich and only the people who can smash planets and keep other people from smashing them should have health care. Well, I, I suppose that's bad. I, I can't afford six... It's six billion people in this world. I, I can't afford to pay six billion people. Right. Six, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to hit you with that. Are you, oh, you're splitting that, toothpaste. Uh, that's... Oh, God. Okay, uh, th- that didn't exactly That was the red suit. Good, <laughs> but uh, I, I suppose I'll be okay. Uh, well, listen, sir. Thank you for thank you for your opinion. Here, have a card debate t-shirt for free. Here's a toothbrush. Oh, no. Well, uh, okay. Uh, thank you. Have both, I guess. Uh, Harry, let's keep going. Is that a you? Thank, you for, thank you for your help. Right. Uh, now, actually, that does raise a question, Mr. Planet Smasher. Universal health care, you're saying about you don't want to pay for it, but I would assume universal health care would be paid for by the universe, not you. The universe would pay for it? That's what makes it universal, right? I, and I, I eventually hope to control the universe. So who will they look to? Is there some sort of god who will come down and go, universal health care? Everyone have it. Well, I, I don't know. Is there? Uh, uh, Iron Will, is there? Right? Well, yes. Oh, he says there is. And God will provide this universal health care free of charge? Well, don't be ridiculous. God actually has surprisingly little in the way of liquid assets. Exactly my point. So universal health care doesn't really make much sense, because who's going to pay for it? Not the universe, not God. It'll be me when I control it, and I won't. But Mr. Planet Smasher... Hayden, I feel that we have bonded in this brief debate. May I call you Hayden? Well, you're sitting Indeed, very close Iron, together. You may call me Hayden. And why do you think you need gold bond in this debate? No, that's not what he means. Oh, sorry. Not teeth bonding, not teeth sealant. They're just sitting next to each other. Please, your point. But Hayden, it won't just be you paying for universal health care. You will help contribute and everyone will. So let's say that you get carpal tunnel from all of this planet smashery I hear so much about. Then other people would be helping to cover your health care. But I could just steal the money from another planet by smashing it and stealing its gold. Or you could save that time and have them just give the gold to your health care. And when you imagine that robots will also be paying into this system, everybody wins. But then I wouldn't have robot slaves. Well, no, I would have to pay my robots? You would have to pay your robots if you wanted to cover their health care. But Harry, there's a, there's a woman on you. Oh, all right, let's stop over here. Yes, uh, excuse me, miss. Hi, we're collecting for the Juvenile Robot Diabetes Foundation. Uh, whoa. That's strange. Uh, uh, well, Would I have... Would you like to give something for is, the juvenile is this, robot? Is this for or against diabetes? Oh, oh, 
Well, we're for the end of juvenile robot diabetes. Why would you want to end diabetes? With with diabetes, people don't eat sugar. It helps their teeth. Actually, diabetes constricts the blood vessels to their teeth, causing them to wither away. But they're not eating sugar. Sugar rots your teeth, saves your teeth. Well, diabetes is good. Well, listen, it's it's kind of a moot point because I only have this one coin and I need it for the debate. But I do have. We're doing a debate show. Is what I was I was trying to talk to you about. So you don't care about the poor little robot? Well, I care, but I I only have this one coin. I, no, but hold on, hold on. I, I have something important to ask you. Oh? Um, th- which is that uh, uh, we're talking about universal health care, speaking of diabetes. And uh, the problem that we're coming across right now is who's going to pay for it? Uh, you know, this gentleman is in favor of it. This gentleman's against it. But the question still remains, how are we going to pay for this soundly? It seems like it's going to be quite a costly endeavor. Well, you could pay for the robots with your coin there. No, but it's, a, it's only 10 cents, and I really need it to flip. Hmm. Flipping. To, hmm. You know, flip a coin. Well, so, so you think that everyone should have health care paid for automatically? Well, no, that's what he thinks, and we're trying to discuss whether or not that's true. Oh, he thinks... Oh, I saw you on that show! That was adorable! I'm glad you like it. Yeah. No, I I don't think that everyone should pay for the diabetes, because if everyone paid for the diabetes research, I wouldn't have a job. Oh, well, then I'm not going to pay for the diabetes I would, research. I would be so sad. No, no, no. You can give me the money. It's the government that can't give me the money. See? I, no, I don't understand. Do you want money or not? I want your money. Well, you can't have my money. It's mine. Well, then why are we still talking? All right, well, if I give you this t-shirt, will that help the research? How much is this t-shirt worth? As much as you can sell it for. Here, t- just take the t-shirt. Thanks. Now, Would you t- like to buy a t-shirt? No, I don't. I, I already have ten of them. Oh. Not, I mean, not here. Eleven's lucky number. No, look, thank you, miss. Oh, okay, bye. <laughs> That's, that so wasn't... I noticed you didn't want to give your coin to that young lady to help robots. But I need this coin to it flip. It seems as if you're on my side already. I, too, do not want to give money to robots to help them in their health needs. I believe that you are a little bit biased, which suits me, as I will be winning this debate. Ha, ha, ha. No offense, Mentire. Well, of course not, Hayden. It only makes sense that you would be protecting your own interests. I'm not biased. I just need this coin. Be a great way to get more money. I just need the coin. You can flip my floss box or something if you want. No, I. Well, she's gone now. It doesn't matter. Look, oh, Harry, pull onto the oh, highway right. here because yeah. we gotta take we gotta all take right. him. All right, thanks. Uh, no, okay. So, but seriously, guys, you know this this cost thing. I mean, I don't know. There, she's saying that she doesn't want the government help because she needs a job. But wouldn't it be better if the government just saved those robots from diabetes? Well, of course. Okay. No. Well, wait. Why not? Because we could use the robots with diabetes as scrap metal to make more perfect robots. Uh, To help enslave more people? To make more robots? To enslave more people! But you take the money that you would would pay to scrap them and make them into better robots and just make all robots better. It certainly saves a couple of steps in that process. I'm a smasher. I'm not a builder, a creator, a lover. I'm a fighter, a destroyer, a stealer sometimes, and a threatener. And listen, I am a cook. I make things literally for a living. So please believe me when I say, as I do. Ah, uh, what the hell is this? Oh, well, uh, I give up. Damn what it! Is this? Uh, it's traffic. I so, knew I'm I should have smashed this planet before coming down. No, please, you were going to say something. I, I, I'm sorry. But it's, ve- it's very simple. We all want to run through life without experiencing consequences for our actions. Do we agree about this, Hayden? Yes, we do. So, if we don't need to worry about the costs incurred by our injuries, then we are free to act arbitrarily, doing whatever we want, knowing that as soon as we get hurt, someone else is going to be paying for our health care. Do you worry about your- the, sorry, do you have any money for the toll? Um, hold on. Let me let me check my robot wallet. Give me a moment. I believe I have a blaster that can take care of this. I only have this one coin. Just uh, lower this window there, driver. All right. All right. 
Oh. Oh, my. How persuasive. I believe we don't have to pay that toll anymore. Well, technically, no. Don't go shoot. You're going to get us arrested. We got arrested last time. <laughs> Stop blasting things. Look. But that's what I do. Well, Smite do it when I you're you smash on your own time. I smash and I blast. Oh. But smashing is more catchy. But no, okay. guys, bad for the enamel. And, and look, we're, it didn't even help the traffic. We're still in terrible traffic even after the toll. I think it perhaps made the traffic worse. I think a few cars flipped over when I oh. told Well, it's an ideal solution. All right. Well, we're almost done. I mean, we're done with debate almost. Well, hold on. Hey, uh, roll down the window, Harry. All right. All right. Hey, roll down your window, sir. Roll down your window. Yeah? We're doing a debate show. Do you want to... Can you... Can you... Can you comment on this for us? Awesome. What are you guys debating? We're debating universal health care. What are your thoughts? I'm for it. All right. Sounds persuasive. Got any reasons? I don't feel like paying for it. Well, that that seems like against it now. You're going both sides. I don't feel like paying for my own. What? So... Whoa. Well, in a sense, you would have to pay for everyone if, if you didn't pay for your own. Oh, I'm up for it. Do we have to pay for the Swiss, though? Swiss? Swiss? Well, I mean, they're part of the I'm universe. Up for the, I'm up for healthcare for anyone except for the Swiss. Well, they're part, those guys. They're part of the universe, so they will be in universe. They don't have to be part of the universe. I just don't want to pay for them. You want to you wanna kick Switzerland out of the universe? They're the ones propelling this uh, Swiss cheese people eat. They get their teeth as full as holes as the ch- cheese. Look, Swiss, Swiss I got to deal with that. Chocolate is even worse. All right, what do you, what you, do you got? You get rid of the Swiss, and I will be behind universal healthcare. Iron Will, what do you think? Well, there aren't a lot of robots in Switzerland. He presents a compelling argument. There we go. All right. I like this already. All right. Well, thanks, sir. Uh, here, uh, t-shirt coming your way. Oh, what the heck? Please drive safely. Sorry, I think it landed on his windshield. Oh, but oh, uh, okay. Well, guys. I can't see. Uh, okay. Well, we got to do the closing arguments. I mean, we're stuck in this traffic jam, but let's see what we can do. Mr. Planet Smasher, you're against it, so just sum up your argument for us, if you would. Very well. I believe that if people, when they were injured, even slightly, would just be graceful and die, you know. Move to a corner or perhaps go to a small cave where they die and other people have died before them. They would make it easier for things like cleanup of bones, spread of disease, and any number of other things, and also the lining of my pocketbook. Did you just say it would make it easier for the spread of disease? Uh, no, it would decrease disease. Oh, okay. That way, there are more people for me to smash when I come to their planet. Well, but wouldn't they be able to do those things more efficiently if there was universal health care? No. Just think about this. A world without people in wheelchairs. Because if you get injured, you go to a cave. You don't have to worry about waiting behind someone, helping someone out. Everyone on your planet is healthy. Well, that way they give the maximum resistance when I come and invade and smash their planet. Well, just just briefly before we move to his closing arguments, that sounds like a form of universal healthcare. It just isn't very good coverage. There's no coverage. In fact, there's no healthcare. You just die. Okay. Uh, Mr. Iron Will. Well, whose last name I forget. Sorry. Jarnak. Jarnak. It's all right. Um, it makes it very difficult, actually, to find my books in the bookstores. One of the reasons that I pimp them so hard on my cooking program, Iron Will cooks for robots. Universal healthcare, good? Why? Yes, because. Please elaborate. Oh, That's sorry. Compelling. Well, I thought so myself, Hayden. But let me show you a different picture. A picture made of words that I say. A thousand words? Maybe you keep count. All right. Rather than dying in caves, as often happens, you should encourage the residents of a planet to embrace universal healthcare so that they and their robots will be in peak fighting form when you come to smash them. That way, you can spend hours, perhaps even half hours, brutally brutalizing these planets full of people and robots. That sounds like a recipe for success. That's kind of a very specific argument geared only at him. Well, Frank Allen. Yes. Put yourself in Hayden 
Planet Smasher's shoes. His enormous planet smashing shoes. Doesn't it seem more attractive than... My shoes? My argument. Focus. Oh. Uh, er, well, yeah, if I was him, I would care what you had said about it to him. Yes. Okay. Well, let me let me consider that for a second. Um, and I will say that I, I don't think that was very persuasive. Really? No, because I'm not him, and I never... But if be. he's correct... No, but I, he is correct. Thank you. Then so, you can identify with his position. Well, I can identify with his position on no universal health care. Oh, I see. When it all comes down, again, he was right. I don't want to give up my, my dime here, and uh, I'd much rather take this dime and pay for my own health care, I guess. Well, I guess you're right. I suppose... I must now dedicate my life to destroying all robots. That will put a cramp in this season. Perhaps you would like a leg up. I have a new position on my latest planet-smashing ship. Would you no. be interested? I did minor in planet-smashing in college. And I'm sure there will be plenty of robots on board who may need a hot meal. Delightful. Interesting. Well, uh, that does it for car debate. Um, except... Harry, do you, is there any... I mean, are we going to get out of this driver jam anytime soon? I don't know. It's it's gridlock all the way up. But, uh, nobody's moving. Right. Maybe. What, what time is it? I have a planet smashing at four. It's half past. Uh, oh, God. Well, I mean, I guess... Uh, Perhaps the service road. No, we can't get to it. Yeah, oh, gracious. There's cars in the way. That guy with a t-shirt on his windshield. Oh. Let me see. Let me see yeah, if I can punch into the ship and see how long it'll take them to get here. God, another two hours? Is it okay uh, if I brush my teeth while we're... Oh, back? yeah, absolutely. Go, well, yeah, look, uh, that's a, set a good example. Can I... Uh, oh, good. No, here's the toothbrush. Ah, uh, thank you. You got the portal sink here. Uh, Harry, can I have a cup of, cup of water to drink, please? Yeah, oh, yeah, I got plenty of that. Here we go, water. I'm just gonna drink you it. Want the toothpaste with that? No, I'm just gonna... Brush. I'm just gonna drink the water. Oh. No, I'm just gonna drink the water. Mm-hmm. All right, that's mm-hmm. good, too. Uh, well, I guess, I mean, I don't know. You guys want to do another debate or something? Oh. I don't know why we debated that last debate. The, the healthcare is just a crutch for people who don't brush their teeth enough. Well, they don't brush their teeth and then they show up and say, fix my teeth. Why are they fixing their teeth? Because they didn't brush them all the time. That's why they're fixing them. Yeah, what, um, what you, well, point of order. Then. Right. Yeah, what's your point? Mr. Wilson, who drives me. Right. Suppose that there was something wrong about not their teeth. So? I. You make a compelling point. Well, no, what if it? their toothbrushing arm were broken perchance? Is that what you're getting at, Iron? That could certainly be a case, I imagine. Well, they gotta invent something to use the other arm or something. Both arms are perhaps smashed along with their planet. That's a sad day. Figure out a way. Use your foot or somebody else. Be resourceful. This is why humans have creativity and the drive to invention. So that they can brush their teeth. Yes. I understand now. Well, okay, so, so do you guys want to debate something else? What do you sure. guys want to debate? What do you guys disagree on? I don't know. Um, the correct angle to toss a prisoner into space? No, I think it has to be something a little bit more accessible to the listener. Something for the common man. Right, right. How to toss a common man into... Oh, no, no that's, same, same. That's for you. Um, Butter or margarine? Hmm. Well, well what would which one do you like? Well, I've always been a butter fan in the tradition of the great robot Julia Child. What do you think? Well, I guess I'm a margarine man. All right. Coincidentally enough. Well, let's do it. Well, obviously, obviously margarine's the, the against position. I so don't see. There's no point. Neither one is good for your teeth. Well, hello. hello. Yes. Uh, hey, you need a windshield wash? Uh, well, no. But we do, we do need to know about butter or margarine. Which do you prefer? Oh, butter. It's much cheaper. It's been a slow day for me. See, the last guy wanted softener on his windshield. I've never seen that. So- softener? Yeah, he had like this special t-shirt model. I don't know. Oh, well, actually, yeah, we've got a t-shirt. Would you like one? Yeah, I guess yeah. I could use it to... You want me to use this to wash your windshield? Well, I don't really, but... I'm all for washing. This is my car. Go hey, ahead. Wash the... All right. 
right. You got any butter? I'll, I'll wash it for butter. No, toothpaste here. Yes. Toothpaste plus. Uh, no, don't put the, no, don't put the. No, don't put the. She's doing the toothpaste on the windshield. Great. It's perhaps better than butter. Oh, uh, this works great. Yo, you got any more of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you go. Uh, I got a full supply all the time. All right. Well, okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Just use the wipers to finish. All right. All right. Well, all right. have a pleasant day. Thank Dude, you. Thanks. Thank you. Oh, that's not. I, that was terrible. But margarine. Why is margarine good? Well, margarine tastes less good, so you won't use it as much. It saves you money on margarine, and it can also be used as a lubricant for robots. Being artificial, it doesn't spoil. Okay, and why is butter better? Because butter is delicious. That's true. But you both agree that butter is delicious, don't you? Yes. And yes, I, I in fact find butter quite delicious. I use it on my toast. I just don't give it to the men or the robots. The real difference, I think, is that Hayden believes that deliciousness should not be the prime qualifier for superiority. Whereas I, as a famed chef and a disciple of the great robotic Julia Child, believe that butter and deliciousness reign supreme. All right. Uh, I don't... We, we, I don't... We can't really ask anybody else. Oh, there's a... It appears to be a jogger. Shall I open the door? Right, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's flag him down. Let's flag him down. Good well, job. I, did, I didn't mean to. Oh. I seem to have inadvertently opened the door at the wrong time. Oh, what's the matter with you? Would you like butter better than margarine or margarine You're better than butter? What kind of question is that? Which one do you like better? Butter. All right, and we got. Uh, we don't. I, I ran out of t-shirts. Hey. Can you guys? Can one of you give him your t-shirt? Oh, um, sure. Take that off. And here, have a copy of my book. <laughs> that gentleman appears to have a Thanks. broken arm. Well, perhaps oh. he would benefit from universal health care. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> take a toothbrush. Enjoy, sir. Oh, I called 911. Quickly, shut the door. All right. Uh, oh, no, traffic's starting to clear up. Oh, great. All right. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be near that guy when he stands up again. Um, okay, so uh, so I guess that... Uh, Wait a minute. Is that Steve, my robot chauffeur? What? What's he doing out? I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Why don't you folks drive on ahead? I'm going to have a chat. Steven! Steven! Wait, no, but... You have is... some explaining to do? See you, Ian Will. Take care. Well... But, but we're in the middle of a second debate. Well, it is clear that I have won. Margarine is indeed better. <sighs> well, more useful and utilitarian. Now I have this coin for nothing. Really? Let me see that coin for a moment. Why? What are you going to do with it? Here. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll be going hey, now. That's my I coin. I believe that uh, my ship will be meeting here shortly. That was my so ten cents. I will bid you adieu, and I hope you have enjoyed my presence during your debate. Well, thanks. All right. Well, that was... Uh, two episodes of Car Debate, I guess, Harry. That was that was pretty good. Maybe uh, maybe somebody learned something about uh, teat or whatever else they were talking about. No, healthcare. Healthcare, yeah. And margarine. And margarine. Both bad. No. Both don't promote uh, tooth health. No, margarine won. Right. Well, it's uh, it's better than butter then, but it's still bad. Uh, well, fine. So can you take me home now, please? Uh, yeah. Uh, you're the other way, aren't you? Yeah. All right. So I guess we're back through the, the traffic. Uh, yeah. That's all right. I got a lot I can tell you about teat. I've been reading up uh, news. Tooth news. Tooth news. I still got a lot to explain. How much have I told you this week? Not not over a few hours about teeth. You know, the, the last molars in your mouth are some of the more sensitive teeth. <sighs> there was this fella. He was living in Arkansas, and some of the food that he was getting was getting caught in his teeth. This didn't have anything to do with Arkansas. <laughs> 
That episode of Car Debate featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Rich Bellin, Charles Berman, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Amanda White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. And like they said earlier in the show, please write into us at castinwax at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of Car Debate and if you think we should allow Frank to do more episodes. Just let us know what you think and we'll let you know what we think of what you think. Because I'd be really happy to do more Car Debate, guys. I know that was a little awkward at the end there. A little awkward, you think? No, but it wasn't as bad as the first time. Right, but you had to start a second debate. Why didn't you just, what I don't understand is why didn't you just cut it off? I mean, yeah, you have to sit in the car anyway, but why not cut off the episode at the end when you actually decided the debate? Well, because I was just, I don't know, I, I was like, we're here, you might as well record some more. Yeah, but when you're editing it, when you realize that the margarine thing is going to end by default because everybody leaves. Well, I didn't edit it. I mean, what do you mean edit it? You didn't edit that? No, that's just how it all happened. Uh... Okay. Well, then, I, you know, it is what it is. You put on the theme song for me. Well, yeah, but I mean, I figured you had already... Oh, that's just the way it went down. Well, I think it was way too long. So please, write into us, castandwax at gmail.com. Tell us all how that was way too long. That's not what they're going to say. Besides, okay, you know, not all of us can do, you know, 20 second this second in history. It wasn't 20 seconds. It might as well have been. Well, that's 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 illogical. It might not as well have been. What? It was as long as it was. You know, it, it got across its point. It even had a moral in it. Yours didn't have any any instructional points to it, did it? Well, yeah, it it it, it had the point that we shouldn't have universal health care and we should use margarine. Well, that's a really lousy point. And I might add, you might have been able to learn something from my next pilot if you had heard it before you had Harry Wilson driving around like that. Your next pilot? How many pilots did you do? You've already done, you did year, day, what, 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 what else could you possibly do? Well, we've already gone as small as we could get, so we thought, why not make things bigger? What? Have a listen. My name's Rory Sinjin, and this is This Century in History on WHRW Binghamton. On this century, in the 20th century, the 20th century occurred. Uh, sorry, Mr. Ford, there's a bit of a problem with our Model A coming off the, uh, assembly line. Jews? Well, besides that, sir, apparently our tires don't have any, uh, pressure in them. Man, I hope this doesn't become a problem later in the century. I'm certain that won't happen. Maybe we'll have a final solution for this. Why is my motorcade not going through the streets? Bang! Everyone is at war with everyone. I'm Ludwig Wittgenstein. I wrote a paper. I can't afford to fill my tires. Too much Great Depression. Take that, France! I bet the Jews are behind my tire pressure. Wilson, there's war in Europe! Uh, sir, how do we check the tire pressure on one of these here Sherman tanks? Achtung! We will invade Russia with our new air tires! Man, it's awfully nice in Hiroshima this time of year. Not anymore! Ah! So here's the idea. We leap forward, all of us at the same time, and we'll reduce our gas mileage that way instead of using tire pressure. This war is awfully cold. Anyone else notice besides me? Vietnam not industrialized, no tires, kill them! We'd better stop this motorcade. Checking our tire pressure is very important for me, President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Even if we are in the middle of Dallas, it doesn't look like that bad a neighborhood. Why don't we just stop it right here by this book depository? Good idea. Man, I'm never going to make it to Woodstock now that my tire pressure is so low. I'm tired. It's really hard to check my tire pressure on the moon, Houston. I'm just saying. I hate this inflation. Perhaps we'll put it in our tires instead. I am not a crook. Good tire salesman. I lust in my heart for tire pressure. I am Ronald Reagan. Check your tire pressure. Yay! USSR is no more. Hey, let's go. Let's go past the uh, Berlin Wall. I did not receive sexual favors from a tire pump. Ew. So dick.
How do we check the tires on Air Force One? That's what I'm wondering. Oh, George, it's going to be a great 21st century. And if there's one lesson that we can all take from the 20th century, it's make sure to check your tire pressure as it can reduce your gas mileage. The gas mileage of the world was terrible that century, even though before that there was no gas mileage. But still, trust me, I'm looking at other realities as well. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is This Century in History on WHRW Boot. That was this century, this century in the last century? How does that make any sense? Well, we're in a century right now. And last century, there was a century too. So, you know, the current century, last century. That doesn't work at all. That's... That doesn't work. Well, I thought it worked quite well, and we did do a century's worth of history in just, you know, a minute or two, so I think I'm quite proud of the, the way we did that. It actually dragged a little, if you ask me, because, I, you know, there was a little too much going on there, and it was a little belabored. It was not belabored. I have I take personal offense, and my assistants take personal offense to that. That was terrible. I'm sure the record will show, when we get the emails to castinwax at gmail.com, that this century in history was amazing. Uh, yeah, and if they like it, then what? Well, what do you mean? You've already done this century in this century in history. So they say continue it and you go, uh, okay, next century we'll do another episode. Well, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps I didn't think that through as well as I, as I might have. All right, well, I suppose we can continue that one. But still, you know, you can still write into us at castanwaxgmail.com to say that you liked it and that you wanted more, if only that you could have more. Right. Right, okay. Well, great. All right, well, uh, enough about that. Enough about that for now, guys. Uh, yes, please do write into us about these pilots, but we do have another show to get to, and this is one I'm very quite fond of. Speaking of uh, centuries in the future, this is an episode of Epic Echoes. Let's listen. The Backward Series, Season 4, Episode 5, Old and Wise, by Jordan D. White. Max Thornfield and his intrepid flashback stood transfixed with complete shock. Kovac's jam session regarding their secret enemy interrupted, mouths to gate before the intruders who stood before them in the Flashpoint Rec Center. Intruders who claimed, against all odds, to be the flashback themselves! Indeed, four of the six visitors did bear a striking resemblance to Max, Molly, Slaughter, and Jimmy, but older and wearing a lot more leather. The other two, one a stringy, bespectacled Sirius and teen, the second covered from head to toe in a colorful carnival costume, were completely unfamiliar to them. That's not true. That's impossible. Maybe what they're the clones. I've, I've heard it's that sometimes so they have these clones that look exactly like you, but they're older if you age them artificially. Everyone, please. It's true, all right. We're you. 26 years older to the minute. Come on, Max. We're in the flash pack. Anything's possible. Let me introduce the team. Obviously, you know me, Molly. Hi, Max. Slaughter and Jimmy. Hey, Dad. Max. I meant Max, not Dad, because you're not. My dad, I mean. No. Nice one, Kovacs. They just might be willing to think that was a slip of the tongue. Amateur. This is Danish. As you can tell, he's Seriusian, but he has a rare genetic disorder which makes him much weaker and more vulnerable than most of his race. Of course, that still makes me better than any human could be. Lastly, we have Blinklesprot. She's... Well, I can't go into who she is right now, but she doesn't talk. The brightly masked and costumed girl 
Pantomime did them wildly. Hi there. Well, it's nice to meet you all. I'm Max Thornfield, and this is... Max, we we know who you all are. We were there, here. But Alyssa always told me if a time-turner ever meets herself in the past, the universe locks up, and the time-steppers have to do a hard reboot and start up again in safe mode, deleting all dangerous and unauthenticated components. She gave us a pass this time. We're running an errand for her. Look here. Future Slaughter held up a tiny pencil eraser-sized cube and squeezed the sides. A holographical projector beam shot out of the front, revealing a perfect image of their time stepping chronal mentor. Hello, Jill. Hello, Flashpack. Yes, the people you see before you are your future selves. I know what I told you about never crossing your own path, and generally speaking, it will result in the utter destruction of everything and everyone you hold dear. But this once, I'll let it slide. This future pack is on a highly important top-secret mission through time that they can only accomplish with your help. Please give them your cooperation in any way they ask, as a personal favor to me. In return, when the time comes, I will allow you to go back in time and meet yourselves. Otherwise, our previous deal still stands. Good luck, Flash Packs. Be seeing you. See that? We're the real deal. But why aren't Keen and I part of the group anymore? Drawless, you know we can't tell you that. We can't change what you're going to do in the future. Maybe we left you two at home. You never know. Heck, maybe one of us is a robot replacement. Or one of you could have morphed into Danish. Ha! Or could be disguised as Blinklesprot. Okay, Blinklesprot, sorry, it was just an example. Relax. Whoa. But that seems dubious. Isn't it far more likely that we're both- Not to interrupt, but we really do have to get to that mission. Fair enough. So, what is it? Um, we can't tell you. Okay, so what do we need to do? We can't tell you. Sorry. Jeez, how are we supposed to help you if we can't know anything about what's going on? It'll be all right, Jimmy. Hey, that's our Jimmy. Guys, let's not fight about this. Let's just do what Alyssa asked us to. Molly's right, gang. So, um, Max? What? No, I mean, um, other Max. Thanks, Molly. We need to split up into pairs. Molly's, Slaughter's, and Jimmy's together. Max, you're with me. Danish, you go with Dr. Keen. Blinklesprot, you take Dralis. Pass Pack, just follow our lead. Once we split up, we can discuss what we each need to do. So long as you all swear never to share the information we tell you. That way, we won't reveal enough of the future to mess things up. We'll meet back here in two hours. What about us? Huh? Who? Me and Dr. Steroff! Yes, we'd like to help. I'm... I'm sorry, you... What, Blinklesprot? Oh, yes, right. Fertress, um, you two can stay here and figure out how we can stop Corporal Contradiction and his resuscitator of death. Huh? You'll see. He'll be calling later. Everyone ready? The flashback is always ready. Right, gang? Flashback. Flash oh, I'm sorry. You can- No, no. It's your year. Please. Thanks. Let's go, gang. Flashback. Flashback. Flash um, okay, then. We'll just wait here and, um, do the thing. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, Dwaris! Stuff it, cat. Catman! Bye! I miss you! Hmm. So, you know anything about this contradiction guy? Oh, yes. He's an evil idiot savant, former head of military intelligence. He's obsessed with contradictions and the clarity they bring. Always challenges Max with some contradictory invention or other. Gotcha. Then you think if Max refuses to stop him, he'll be unable to succeed? That sounds like his M.O. Good thinking. Thanks! So... They just let you hang out here as much as you want? Absolutely. You... You want to see where Keen keeps her underwear? 
Is it near Drowis's room? You bet it is. I'm in. <laughs> I've got marking to do. <laughs> As the two troublemakers snuck off to their nefarious deeds, the past and future packmates scattered to complete their top secret mission. The pair of time-turning Jill Slaughters, for example, found themselves traveling back in time to London, England, July 16th, 1865, to view the decapitation of Charles Darwin. So what are we doing here? I mean, yeah, I've always wanted to see it, but that's exactly why we're here. Now you get to see it twice. Once as you, once as me. Pretty clever, huh? But what about our mission? Don't we have something? Actually, no. The others are all working on the real mission. We get to kick back and watch one of the most infamous executions of all time. Plus, we did all the work of time turning them all together. We deserve a rest. Makes sense. Should we get popcorn? I'm on a diet working on those last five pounds. Don't ever get pregnant. Er, um, I'm, I didn't really mean... I mean, do get pregnant. I love our kids. Oh, speaking of which, here, take the holocube. You'll need it to show to past you. Alyssa asked me to just pass it off to you. She didn't want to have to keep recording it every 26 years. Speaking of Alyssa, what did she mean our previous deal still stands? What deal? We don't have any deal. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. You'll understand when you're older. The dual Molly Sings, on the other hand, went together to her laboratory, where they were soon elbow-deep in trans-electric fluctuational vibrotonic silenite crystal viscosity processing regulators. Let me get this straight. You came from the future just to help me design the hyperjets I'd had an idea for? Well, no. I mean, that's not the reason the whole group came back, no. There's an important top-secret mission, like Max said. The thing is, the others are taking care of that, so I thought you and I could have some fun, like making hyperdrives with Julie. Julie? Oh, God, Julie. Oh, God, she just... I'm so sorry, Molly. I didn't mean to. No, it's it's all right. Let's just, let's just make these hyperjets. The pack might not have a lot of call for them, but you never know when someone might need to get somewhere in a pinch. That's the spirit. Now, do you have any meson emitters? Meanwhile, Jimmy Kovacs the Elder was dragging Kovacs the Younger around Washington, D.C., popping in and out of the offices of important and influential senators, speaking on behalf of a bill proposing the installation of secret emergency escape tubes under prominent Washington landmarks. This is so exciting. I love greasing the wheels of legislation. And these tubes are exactly what our government needs. I've been following the track of this bill since it was drafted. So... The tubes are important to the mission? Not exactly. What do you mean? I brought you to DC for your benefit. I knew you were interested in the tubes, you just need a little push to actually get involved. It's the first step of many. What are you saying? What about the mission? The others are working on the mission. They didn't need our help. The tube bill did. Without us, there wouldn't... Well, let's just say that the tubes will be very important. As will you. You have a grand destiny ahead of you, Jimmy. I... I do? Let me ask you. Have you ever considered a career in... Politics? Have I? And as Jimmy's aspirations began to blossom, Team Powerhouse Dralis Thornfield was off with the mysterious and mute Blinklesprot in the smoky pool halls of downtown El Paso, Texas. So, when we got back, Jill and I both had these Valentine notes waiting for us, and I was like, what's all this, you know? Well, she had no idea who hers was from, but I have a sneaking suspicion about mine. He plays his cards close to the vest, and some people have suggested things about him. But I'm sure I've caught him looking, you know. That's true. I know I shouldn't get my hopes up, but... Wait, you're from the future? Are you saying it's not... No, I know you can't reveal anything about the future. I just hoped. I understand... I don't know what it is about El Paso. I just always had a fondness for it. I like to come here to really cut loose, you know? Be the real me. Not have to be all, well, don't tell the others I said so, but not have to be so goody-goody all the time. I can kick back a few drinks, scam a few marks out of a few bucks, and if I'm lucky, break a few heads. But what are we doing here? Isn't there some sort of mission going on? 
Oh, so the others are taking care of it without us? Okay. Well, if you don't mind having your mute ass handed back to you, we could shoot a game or two. Oh, you're on, Biznitch. The other two Thornfields, the Maxes, had hopped the wormhole subway at the Flashpoint stop, much to the delight of tourists and sightseers, and made the quick ride to Cairo, Egypt. Well, we're here, the sacred silent forests of Cairo, where sound only travels three feet before dissipating. What? I'm sorry. You've got to make sure you stay closer to me while we talk. Sound only travels three feet here before dissipating, remember? I know. So, what's our mission? Yeah, about that. The others are taking care of it. I just brought you here to talk to you about something. In private. Something I didn't want anyone else to hear. Oh, but but what could be so important that you'd need to take me out here to the... It's about our father. What? Max, I know the quest to find him has always been on your mind. Always driven you to keep going. To jump into the unknown. It's why you founded the Flash Pack. I just think... I think it's time to let it go a little. What? Are you saying we never- I'm just saying that sometimes the things we're looking for come to us when we search for them the least. Huh? It's Zen. But the point is, if you just relax a little, let the whole father thing slip away from you for a while, I promise you, we'll find out when it's time. And in time, you'll even come to peace with it. Trust me. Well, if I can't trust you, who can I trust? At that instant, Sarah Keen and the caustic Danish were in the Flashpoint kitchen, the young woman spooning out bowls of Gleepglore bisque and the Syriusian lounging about. I don't see how meat cooking could be so essential to the mission that you're on. It's not. I was just hungry. Mm, smells good. What? Although now that you're done, it's almost time to meet with the others. I'd better take care of my part of the mission. Which is? Telling you off, you heartless scumbag. You actually claim to be a friend of these people with the things you're going to do to them? You make me sick, you excrement. What? You're almost as bad as Dralis herself. I'm glad you're dead. Mm, this is truly delicious. What? Why Why are you doing this? Can we, we can just change things, change the future. Tell me what I can do. You can't change your future. It's already written. What? Then, then wh- what are you doing here? What's the point? We're trying to change the past. That's the only thing left. And I'm doing it to you because we know that after hearing all this, you're going to head back to your room and jack into that emotion disruptor so hard you won't remember a second of it. Why are you doing this to me? This isn't for your benefit, Maleficent wretch. I'm doing it for anyone who happens to be listening. I think she knows who she is. What what are you talking about? Oh, come now. You must be feeling something by now. How about this? You're an amoral, quiver-flacking flugel, and that's coming from me, a Syriushan. Your friends would be better off if you were already dead, you and your mistress. If only there was a way. (laughs) Shut up! Shut up! And with that, Keen ran out of the kitchen, tears in her eyes, to do just as he'd foretold. Danish grabbed the pot of bisque and headed back to the rec room to meet up with the others. Soon, the future pack was ready to head home. I hope we were able to help get the mission completed. Of course we did, Max. Otherwise, we wouldn't exist to be here. We know she'll make the right choice. She told us so herself. Right. Sorry, huh? The dangerometer. That'll be corporal contradiction. Don't worry. The cat thingy's plan will work just fine. Do you mean Fertress? Yes! Fertress! Right. So long, past pack. And as the future pack joined hands and whisked away through time, their present incarnations went off to ignore a world-destroying threat. Just what was the future pack's mission all about? How did they intend to alter the past? It's certainly something to think about before next week's episode of Epic Echoes, Sacrificial Altar. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfields, Angela Tymon was Drowis Thornfield, Devin White was Molly Sings, 
Lynn Nelson was Jill Slaughters, Tong Wen Wong was Sarah Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Scape White was Fertris Fosbottom, Jordan D. White was Dr. Stelloff, Ava Rosenblatt was Alyssa, and Joe Rude Coppola was Danish. The theme song was by Michael, temporary card Makowski. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much, Rory. And now, uh, before we get to the Scapey singing a song part... Dad, come, come on! We're gonna get to it! I just said before we get to it. Settle down! Okay, we better get to it! We're gonna get to it. Before we get to it, huh. we have one last pilot to play. What? Who's did another pilot? Well, I have one more to go, you know. You're, how do you have one more? You did say... Are you gonna do this millennia in history? Well, no, actually, we didn't think of that, but I suppose we could. No, that's... No, don't do... Why would you waste your time? Because, again, you'd you, it, you'd have to wait till next millennium to do another one. Well, this one does suffer pretty much a similar problem, except kind of more so. What? Why? Watch this one. Uh, well, you'll see. Hello, my name's Roy Sinjin, and welcome to This History of Time in History on WHRW Binghamton. In This History of Time in the History of Time, the party formerly known as the Constitutional Democratic Party of Ukraine changed its name to Vice, which meant either union or council. Let's listen. So do uh, you guys want to change the name of the Constitutional Democratic Party to Vice? Yeah, it's too long. Sounds like I mean, a good idea. Vice's shorter. Has I, real punch to it. I, yeah, I agree with you. I'm game. Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay. And from that day forth, it was known as Vice. That's why you should always remember to make sure that you solicit the opinions of others. It probably will work out great and everyone will like you. And that's the lesson from this history of time on this history of time in history. My name's Royce Injun, and this is WHRW Binghamton. Okay, you're telling me that in all of the history of time, the most important event, A, is the renaming of the party as Vice. But it means union. And, and, and that the lesson of the history of time is solicit the opinions of others. Well, I think that's actually quite fair. Because really, you know, if if someone had consulted everyone else about the history of time beforehand... Okay, look, the, you are... This is the dumbest show idea. The, again, that, now that one, you've done the episode. You never... Even if everyone loves that episode, most of all, it's the best thing you've ever done ever. You've done it. That's it. This history of time and the history of time, done. There will never be another history of time. Well, in another universe. In another universe, you've already done it. Well... Yes. So that it's it doesn't matter. The show's over. You you did all the episodes of that show. Now you're done with it forever. In a certain sense, yes, I suppose that's true. All right. Well, guys, uh, thank you very much. Now, Scapey, it's time for your Scapey song. And what I would like for you to do, if you would, is to sing us a song about people needing to write in about these pilots. Oh yeah, yeah, that's I was already gonna do that. Oh, good, because that's what I want you to do. No problem. No problem. Okay, well, that was that. Um, so, yes, write to us at castandwax at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of these pilots. How many pilots did we have there? That was, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, 
six, seven, seven different pilots. And I mean, like, you know, yeah, I mean, if we say that only one of them can continue, you know, let us know which one you like best. No, hang, wait, no, hang on, hang on. That's totally unfair. Well, we can't, I mean, because we can't continue everything. No, but that's totally unfair because I did one show and he did six shows, which I'm, I might add, add them all up and my show is still longer. Yes, but people like bite-sized media nowadays, Frank. You know, they, you have to be savvy to these things, especially on the internet. People want something that they can get and are done with it very quickly. They didn't want, you know, a half an hour long show. They want a little two minute segment. But it's on a giant podcast. Who cares how long the segment is if you're going to listen to the whole podcast? Well, that's something else we should talk about. Perhaps we should make a five minute podcast. You know? Well, that's okay. That's a conversation for another time, not a conversation for on the air either. Um, but thank you all for listening to the podcast. And please, like like we all said, write into us, castinwax at gmail.com. Um, well, then maybe not, I don't know, maybe more than one of them can continue. Just let us know what you think. What did you like? What did you dislike? All of the, all of the, the thoughts. Get your friends to write in too. Get everyone to write in because we don't want just one person to write in and say, I liked this one, didn't like that one because that's that's boring. We want a whole array of opinions. We want conflicting opinions so that then we have to decide for ourselves. Anyway, got to get out of here. Uh, thank you all for listening. Oh, because it was Thanksgiving week, I did have a little bit less time for the show. So the, what, what suffered was I didn't do a new uh, uh, ukulele song this week, unfortunately. So everybody enjoy this blast from the past and uh, we'll be seeing you. Waxwork.com wants to introduce you to its newest project, the Wax Burger. It's one quarter pound of beef digitally fried and served up to you exactly as you order it. Just click on Download Burger and you'll discover that the best burgers are not ordered in restaurants, but on the internet. But remember, there are no kids meals at Waxwork.com, so parents, be cautious. Can we go to Waxwork.com? Maybe when you're older, kids. Each of our projects is made especially with the FDA guidelines for nutrition for a healthier you. And if you act now, you can get one of our combo meals, one wax burger, and your choice of sides, including cereals and poetry. Waxwork.com, all original, creative beef products.